0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Organic Grower School. Coming up March 13th through 21st, 2021 is their 28th annual spring conference. Learn more at organicgrowerschool.org.
2: This week on Meet and 3, it's the final episode of our series on global trade. We're thinking futuristically, from China's ambitious plans for a new Silk Road to the future of borders and automation.
1: If you're a banana, you know, it's easy to cross the border. But if you're a person who's trying to follow the jobs, uh, it's a lot more difficult, if not impossible, to do so in an authorized and safe fashion.
0: They love food trucks and they love growing your own food because these things are not dependent on essentially government systems. So there's a whole politics to pretzels on the dark web.
2: Tune in to meetin and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hello, this is Lisa Held, and you're listening to The Farm Report, a Heritage Radio Network show about the people, processes, and policies that shape how food is produced today. Today, we're going to be talking about one company's approach to reducing the environmental footprint of dairy farming. Organic Valley is America's largest cooperative of organic farmers, representing more than 1,800 farmers in 34 U.S. states, most of them in dairy. You've likely seen their milk, yogurt, and cheeses at the grocery store. This month, the company released its 2021 impact report. Joining me on the show to talk about some of the initiatives and metrics in that report is Nicole Rakovich, Organic Valley's director of sustainability. Nicole, welcome to the show.
3: Good morning, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Yeah, so glad to have you. And I thought a place to start is, you know, your role itself, to me, seemed to speak to how Organic Valley is thinking about environmental impact. Um, I saw that you were promoted to Director of Sustainability, I think, in August. Um, Is that, that's a brand new role. Is that right?
3: Yes, that's correct. Organic Valley has had a formal sustainability department since 2008, uh, so this work has always been a priority for the cooperative, but recently we've just really seen the need to scale up this work and to accelerate the pace. Um, it has been very clear, you know, the climate crisis is here in front of us. We see it every day, you know, with increased flooding, wildfires, extreme storms, ice storms, et cetera. Right. Absolutely. Um, And
2: tell me a little bit about what you see um, as your priorities for this new role.
3: Well, um, my main focus really is implementing our climate action plan. And, you know, the basis for that is accurate greenhouse gas accounting for the cooperative. So one of my major projects has been doing a full-scale carbon accounting for scope one, two, and three emissions. Um, I would say, you know, that we've been very good and diligent about tracking the emissions from our facilities themselves. Um, But what is more challenging to account for is what's called scope three emissions. And that's sort of, everything that happens outside of your own facilities. So that's what happens on farms and throughout the supply chain, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I was actually going to ask you about um, how you've been tallying or compiling um, greenhouse gas emissions, because I, I think that's kind of the first step, right? For, for any company before you can reduce or neutralize or offset, you have to know what your emissions actually are and where they're coming from. Right. And, um, there, so you mentioned this idea of scope one, two, and three um i I think maybe we should briefly just explain what those mean in case people listening don't know. um do you wanna uh give a quick primer on scope one, two, or three, or
3: I could also do sure. it <laughs> go for it uh, no, I would love to, yeah, so that's sort of the greenhouse accounting lingo um and the protocol that probably most companies follow if they're tracking their greenhouse gas emissions. The simplest one to start with is scope 2. So scope 2 is electricity. So electricity consumed uh in facilities that you that the company owns and operates. Scope 1 is the other fuel consumed in facilities. So for us that's natural gas, um propane, uh If you have a fleet of vehicles, which we have a small fleet, um, diesel and gasoline, and then scope three is essentially everything else. Um, So if you're a food company, farms would be a big part of your scope three, um, as well as, you know, distribution, trucking, hauling, uh, even packaging, et cetera, is all in scope three.
2: Right, so scope three is kind of the more complicated, tricky one to figure out. Yes, <laughs>
3: yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think, yeah, companies are starting to to grapple with that right now. Sort of what is the best, most accurate way to track yeah. a scope three emissions? Um, and it's
2: it's really I think important for people to understand those three um, different distinctions because a lot of companies leave out scope three when they talk about emissions. They say, you know, we're, we went carbon neutral and it's like, we, you know, have to always be asking the question like, okay, well, what are you including when you say we're offsetting our emissions? You know, are you including all three of those? Um, so, um, so in terms of figuring out, you know, where actually the emissions at Organic Valley, um, is, you know, in terms of tallying them and and kind of calculating, how far are you at this point, like, um, in that project?
3: We are pretty close to finalizing those numbers. For the past uh, almost two years, we've been partnering with University of Wisconsin at Madison to do a life cycle assessment of our dairy farms. And that work will be wrapping up uh, probably mid-summer. And so that will give us uh, a baseline emissions number for our dairy farms, which, as you mentioned, are the majority of of our farms in our supply. Um, And then, you know, to figure out the rest of Scope 3, we've partnered with this great company that's actually called The Good Company. They're out of Oregon, and uh, they've helped us. Calculate the other portions of our scope three emissions uh, and that work, yeah, is all being finalized in a couple months
2: that's great so let's talk about um, well, I, I want to get to the farms and and kind of the complicated supply chain stuff but but before we go there, let's talk about the kind of more clear part, which is um, the projects that you have been working on at organic valley's headquarters. Um, I know that you've been kind of greening the company headquarters with solar energy, wind. Can you talk about what the biggest components of that specific project look like?
3: Yes. So in Wisconsin, we actually have two campuses. One is our headquarters, which is out of Lafarge. And then we have another campus in Cashton. And really, we prioritize efficiency first. So, building the most efficient buildings we can, um, and so in Cashin, for example, that was our our second campus that we developed. We had a lot of learnings that we applied there, and that uh, office building is LEED certified. So, uh, a couple of neat things about that building are: is it's powered, well, it's a hundred percent heated and cooled with geothermal energy. So that usually is a uh, a big fuel consumer, right? For for buildings, um, and then the roof is covered with solar electric and also some solar hot water. Um, yeah, so just really prioritizing efficiency from the beginning, adding in renewables where we can um, on our facilities, but there is a certain limit of where we could get with putting solar on roofs because we're a big cooperative, and yeah, we needed more more space than just what the roofs could provide, uh, and that's where we went to bigger sources of renewable energy production. So we have a a small community wind farm on our Caston campus with two uh, wind turbines there that we partnered with a local healthcare provider, uh, and then beyond that, just recently. We uh, partnered on a big solar project to help get us to 100% renewable electricity. Wow. Um, how long so, did... A long Sorry, journey. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a
2: long right. journey. I was going to say, how long did it take to get to like 100% renewable?
3: I would say 10 years, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what
2: what is... Um, how many people work at Organic Valley? Like I'm just about trying to engage this up.
3: about 950 employees.
2: Okay. So I mean it's a, a a big company and um but it's I mean it's really uh feels like an optimistic <laughs> conversation which is nice. I never have optimistic conversations, but um to see, you know, a com- a big company like that that is 100% renewable um and I mean you're you're really actually generating that most of that energy yourself. Right.
3: Yes. Yep. Um, And I would say that's part of why we didn't get there sooner. Right. We didn't feel comfortable buying renewable energy credits from projects that we weren't personally involved in, Um, you know, because that would have been possible for us. We could have bought REX is, you know, the acronym for that. We could have bought purchase Rex on the the market and you know got to 100% that way but instead we went out and we developed new projects that were specific to us within the utility territories that we were consuming the electricity um we just felt that was a more sort of impactful way to go
2: right and you're also helping Farmers in your uh, co-op build renewable energy projects on their farms, right? Um, how is that a focus on the in the upcoming year in terms of getting more farmers to to do that to add solar and, and wind to their farms?
3: Yes, absolutely. yep. it's been a priority for us you know from day one, we saw a need from our farmer members. To, to help them, right? Not only with the, the technical assistance, but also uh, helping to secure grant funding where possible. Um, and so we continue that assistance today and are, are looking for ways to scale that up even further. What
2: are some of the biggest barriers that your member farmers face in terms of, of adopting more renewable energy on their farms?
3: Yes. One thing I have noticed over the years, you know, in, in working with our, our farmers and through conversations is farms are complicated, right? No, two farms are the same and each farm has sort of competing priorities for capital projects, right? Solar's not cheap. The cost has come down a lot. Um, but you know a dairy farm uses more electricity than a home so uh the cost of ownership for solar is still substantial so that upfront capital uh is challenging for some farms to come up with especially with those competing you know needs on a farm right and yeah and then the the other thing i'll just mention is uh one of the major incentives that allows solar to be installed is the federal tax credit, and you know it's not always possible for all of our farmers to take full advantage of that tax credit.
2: Is there a reason that um, they're not able to take advantage of it? Can you explain that a little more?
3: Well, to utilize the tax credit, you have to have that tax liability. Okay. Um, right. So depending on your specific financial situation. Uh, that farm may not have that full tax liability, right because they are doing other capital improvements uh or you know have other expenses that reduce their tax liability
2: uh okay right we 're
3: talking about small family farms for the most part here,
2: right, absolutely. Um, I wonder if um, in the coming um, years, we'll see some changes to um, incentives in terms of renewable energy um, since the the new administration is so focused on expanding renewable energy.
3: Yes, I think we will. One thing that we did see years ago when that uh, federal tax credit first became available is they allowed companies to take the tax credit as a grant in lieu of tax credit. And that was really advantageous for our, our small farmers.
2: Interesting. Um, okay. We're going to take a quick break for a word from a sponsor. We'll be right back.
1: This episode is brought to you by Organic Grower School. Coming up March 13th through 21st, 2021 is their 28th annual Spring Conference. Organic Grower School Spring Conference is a one-of-a-kind event that offers workshops on organic growing and sustainable living. Its mission is to provide down-to-earth practical advice while remaining affordable and accessible. This year, the conference is going virtual and will be accessible to more people than ever before. Attendees will learn how to farm, garden, and live organically through 12 tracks and more than 30 workshops. It will feature three keynote talks, Q&As, and lunchtime entertainment. Tracks include cooking, gardening, herbs, mushrooms, permaculture, sustainable living, and more. Plus, it's affordable, starting at just $20. Learn more at organicgrowerschool.org.
2: All right, we're back. This is Lisa Held. You're listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. I am talking to Nicole Rokovich today. She is the Director of Sustainability at Organic Valley. We've been talking about how Organic Valley has been looking at its environmental impact, specifically climate impact uh, at its headquarters and on farms Nicole, we talked a lot about um, the renewable energy projects that the company is implementing and, you know, started to get into the fact that you're also looking at how to get more renewable energy and farms. But I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing with the farms um, in your network. So, you know, we, we mentioned scope three is where the bulk of the emissions from the actual business are. Um, And one thing I saw in the impact report was that you are working with farms to implement more climate smart farm projects. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, well, for the most part, organic valley farms are already smaller than average. They already have their cows on pasture. They're using organic feed. Um, It's a lot of the things that when you look at climate farming plans, those things are sort of what we're switching to, right? (laughs) Um, So what kinds of additional projects are you looking at that can improve environmental outcomes, um, even on farms that are doing like organic and pasture based dairy production?
3: Yes, that is a great question. Um, So we already talked about energy, right? Renewable energy, but there's also improvements that can be made for energy efficiency, So reduce the energy consumed in the first place. Um, There's a suite of practices available on dairy farms that are pretty common. Um, But aside from energy, I would say manure management improvements are something we are looking at. Um, You know, most of our farms do have dry manure management systems, uh, meaning that you know, they don't have lagoons, but for the the small percentage of our farms that do have lagoons, you know, those do contribute greenhouse gas emissions. So where can we make improvements there? Um, You know, in a way that's suitable for a smaller farm, right? Uh, Manure digesters, for the most part, aren't applicable, you know, to our small scale farmers. Um, So what are those practices, Um, you know, whether it's reducing the size of the lagoon or putting a a cover on it, et cetera, we're looking at those possibilities, Um, converting to composting uh, or compost bedded pack barns where possible. But then beyond uh, manure, some of the (laughs) the other sort of uh, umbrella of practices we're looking at are what we call carbon farming practices. Uh, So those are soil health practices that are sequestering carbon, essentially, right? Um, Could also be known as regenerative practices. And many of these are already occurring on organic valley farms and organic farms in general, right? It's part of the organic standards. Uh, Soil health, soil and water conservation, biodiversity, That's all written into the organic standards, but how can we scale that up, right, and and make it even more impactful? And one specific example I can give is related to regenerative grazing. Our, Our farmers are really excited about grazing, right? Many of them are expert grazers, but how can we scale that up? And one way we're looking to scale that up is through... A pilot project that we started with satellite grazing. So it's using satellite uh, technology to help farmers uh, improve their rotational grazing because um, typically a farmer needs to go out in the pasture and take yield measurements from his or her pasture daily. So how can we use satellite technology to remove that barrier? Um, and help the farmer increase productivity, uh, and when we increase productivity, we're increasing carbon sequestration from those pastures. So that's one that we're really excited about. Um, and then I could go on, but
2: I'm sure you want me to? <laughs> no, that that's really interesting. What what a uh, fascinating use of of satellite technology. <laughs> um, well, I I mean, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is you know, we we think about obviously the farms the most when we're talking about um, a company that produces milk and food products, but um there are lots of components in the supply chain. And, you know, I'm curious about other places in the supply chain that you're looking at as potential targets for reducing emissions that maybe are less obvious, you know, like and the really unglamorous parts you know like trucking logistics are there like little things in there that are kind of naughty and and you're considering
3: yes we are always striving towards optimizing our our hauling and our freight um, there's a, a whole team within our cooperative that focuses on that so that's definitely a priority and a significant source within our, our scope three. The other uh, significant source within our scope three that we need to dig a little deeper in is our packaging. So to create those packaging materials initially, you know, there's greenhouse gas emissions. So right. how can we tweak our, you know, our packaging purchases to reduce that number?
2: Mm. Well, and are you, God, it gets, it gets complicated fast then, right? Because then when it comes to packaging, like you're, you were just thinking about greenhouse gas emissions, but then, you know, are you also looking at like just reducing the use of plastic um, for plastic waste? And like, there's a lot of other environmental considerations when it comes to packaging beyond greenhouse
3: gases, right? Yes. Yes. Multifaceted. And yeah. And then primarily you know how do we maintain the the quality of that product so it doesn't spoil prematurely because we know food waste contributes to greenhouse gas emissions so there's a lot of levels to it a lot of considerations yeah
2: um another thing i wanted to ask you about is um you know we were talking about this impact report that um was looking back on this year that we just finished, 2020, which was very unique. Um Has COVID-19, has the pandemic had an impact at all on the sustainability efforts at Organic Valley over the past year?
3: Yes, we've seen a few impacts. One of them has been the reduction in employee travel. So, uh, right, that was a <laughs> A pleasant uh, reduction in our emissions. It's not typically significant, but it's it's pretty much down to zero right now. So there are some savings there. Um, the fuel consumption in our facilities has gone down a little bit just because, you know, there's more folks working from home. Um, and then the other thing we've seen related to providing assistance to our farmers with different climates. Smart practices is some uncertainty with grant funding, specifically at the state level. as state budgets are impacted by COVID, they're having to make those hard decisions of you know where to cut funding. Um, so we're seeing seeing that impact now.
2: Got it. So um, what's your what are you most excited about for 2021? um just looking towards the future in terms of projects at organic valley
3: that is a great question um i am looking forward to uh, figuring out strategies to scale up our our carbon sequestration and our carbon farming uh beyond the the grazing projects um yeah, and how to, to scale up energy projects even further. What are those sort of um, innovative funding mechanisms that we can deploy?
2: Great. Well, uh, looking forward to, to seeing what that looks like in the coming year. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show.
3: Thank you, Lisa. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you all so much for listening to the Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and share it. Until next time, this is Lisa Held. The Farm Report is powered by Simplecast.